0: Hi, everybody, and welcome to Will This Be On The Test? I'm Maddie. And I'm Austin. And we're here today to talk about some things that you should have learned in school, but didn't learn, didn't learn fully, or didn't learn correctly.
1: And sometimes the episode we did on Dr. Seuss comes back and bites everyone in the ass.
0: Yeah, that was, God, almost a year ago, probably. It feels like it was a long time ago where, was it me? I think it it was you. Covered Dr. Seuss and his uh, questionable history and this week, they've kind of announced they're going to stop printing six or seven of his books.
1: Yep. Six of his books. None of them were selling well.
0: That's not... Oh, um, Mulberry Street is on the list and some, the zoo one is on the yeah. list. Both of those were still selling. But I was reading an interview with a librarian who was like, I've been a librarian a long time and I've never even heard of the other ones. So I think we're good there.
1: Yeah. And oh, man, library world, it's... Gone crazy for us because we aren't. Uh, we are not removing our copies from our from circulation, mm-hmm. and I I believe that is right for a library to do. Personally, I'd be doing it, but I believe it is the right call for an organization such as a library to not remove these books from their collection.
0: Yeah, libraries don't tend to remove books, nor is the publishing company asking them to do so. They are. Are they? Yeah. Last I saw, they weren't, huh? Because it comes down to libraries actively fight against censorship and they tend to only get rid of books when the books themselves are in too bad of shape to be read or if they have not been checked out in like 20 years and are taking up unnecessary space. Yeah, and
1: I can like um I I work in the relevant department for this and our collection manager has I think removed two books total in her career and both of them were just like just bad.
0: Yeah, so yeah, that that episode became very very relevant this week. And I remember, yeah, because it was a year ago because I was talking about uh, the Dr. Seuss week, which w- um, which is why this came up again, I think. Yeah. And schools, like, are now... I think it's all because we did an episode on this, because we have very powerful listeners who just aren't offering us any money. Rude.
1: Yeah. I mean, I understand Lin-Manuel Miranda not offering us money because, I mean, he's never met us. He just listens to the show. I understand it. But Taylor Swift, we made eye contact.
0: <laughs> I mean, we... I mean, obviously, obviously, these big important people listen to us, though, because if they didn't, then they wouldn't have stuff like this happening.
1: Yeah, it's true. I mean, we have, like, I think we have uh, Barack Obama, we know, listens to us. And even better than that, Michelle Obama also listens to us. We know who
0: really makes the calls in that household. Yeah. And, but my my big famous people, it'd also be really great if you went onto iTunes and gave us that five-star rating and a review that you, we know you've been talking about doing it and you just haven't. And if you were like... Hey, this is Michelle Obama, and I endorse this podcast, Michelle. Then that would be really helpful. And Barack, I know you normally only do a list of like my favorite books this year, but if you could do a list of my favorite podcasts this year and like have us be on there as number one, ideally. Although I think he often does it in alphabetical order, but you know what? Ignore the alphabet this time. After all, libraries and elementary schools are starting to ignore the Dewey Decimal System, so why shouldn't we start ignoring the alphabet? Um, it's yeah. Um,
1: nothing makes librarians angrier than pointing out. It's like, well, you know, alphabetical order is as completely arbitrary if you think about it, and that makes them so bad.
0: I do love fi- when I can find things in alphabetical order, though. Me too. And I can't. I worked in a bookstore for four years, and there were times when I had to explain to people the how the alphabet worked. And I'm not talking little kids. Like little kids, i would have been like, "All right, do you know the alphabet song? Let's sing it, and we'll find the book." not once was it a child <laughs> it was consistently i can't find this book by this author whose last name starts with g and they would know the author's name and i'd be like okay well let's walk over to that section they're like how do you know where this is well it's a fiction book and the author's last name starts with a g so it's in the g's well how are they organized well, alphabetical order well how do you know where g is
1: alphabetical order it's
0: or- after
1: f f <laughs> yeah um uh just uh not to brag but a huge part of my job is knowing the alphabet real real good.
0: Yeah, I did love working in that bookstore. That was a little one that it was a chain, but it has still since closed down and I really did love that and at the end of it we got to literally tear apart the store for our last like few shifts we were in there with like screw uh screw guns and hammers and just literally tail- tearing it apart because they were going to throw everything away. So, anyway, um Like we said, we're here today to talk to you about some things that you should have learned in school but didn't, didn't learn fully, didn't learn correctly. If you want to learn more about this Dr. Seuss thing, go back to, oh, sometime in March 2020. I think
1: it was, uh, we talked about Dr. Seuss and Dr. Muter which was a uh, surgeon in the days of cocaine equals medicine. So. Speaking
0: of March 2020, though, we are hitting the one year uh, of COVID really attacking. Uh, one As we record, one year ago today is the last time Austin and I went out for fun. Yeah. Uh, the times we have gone out since then have been, we went to Costco once together um, because it was right when they said we're going to be shutting down the city. And so we were like, okay, let's go stock up. And we did not buy all of your toilet paper. No, we are we, smart. Uh, we, we, we buy all of the peanut butter. We buy our toilet paper at Costco in bulk anyway, and we had stocked up like three months before. Yeah. So yeah, if you don't have a Costco membership, get one because they also treat their employees really well. Yeah. Um, they're doing an amazing job. Costco sponsor us. Please. They're like, we don't we don't sponsor podcasts. We have enough money. Um. So, yeah. It's been... Of course,
1: like, honestly, who would hear about Costco through our podcast? It's like, yeah, we know about Costco.
0: It's been a year since we went out for anything fun. It was for my birthday a year ago. We went to go see uh, Puffs. Puffs, which was a lot of fun. And I'm glad that, like, you know, that was a solid last thing to have gone out to do. Although I do wish we'd gone to Melting Pot afterwards like oh, we'd planned.
1: Yeah, we went to Puffs. I went to a candy store, Yes, it was great.
0: And yeah, this week was my birthday. I'm 35 now, and I don't know, that hit me pretty hard for some reason. I don't know why, but you know, here we are. I'm at least, at least Austin's already hit 35, so you showed me that you can survive turning 35.
1: I've been dead on the inside the entire time. You've
0: been dead on the inside as long as I've known you. Yeah. All right, let's jump into it. Speaking of things that make us dead on the inside, (gasps) and sometimes on the outside... I am here to talk about Daylight Savings Time. Oh, no! Why? Because we are springing forward a week from today on March 14th. Don't forget. But also, right now, you are a week ahead of it. By the time you hear this, you'll be like five days ahead. Start slowly altering your sleep schedule. Slowly start waking up a little bit earlier and a little bit earlier. Because you don't want to have your body jolted that badly. So, firstly, uh, because I always... max. meh firstly because i always mess this up daylight savings time is what's about to start march through november is daylight savings and then when we fall back in november that is standard time so that's just to clarify the terminology that i'm really not going to use i'm going to misuse daylight savings a lot during this probably so just be ready
1: welcome to everybody's life
0: oh I i got reading glasses guys
1: You're 35 and you've got reading glasses. I have
0: reading glasses and distance glasses. I have special eye drops because of my eyes going like as badly. I have intermittent facial paralysis and my eye doesn't close all the way. So I've got special drops now. I'm (laughs) getting old. Uh, anyway, I'm going to start, Austin, this is what I was like, Austin, I can't wait to tell you. I'm going to dispel a myth right off the bat. Daylight savings time has nothing to do with farmers. What? We were taught in school that it was so that we could adjust things so that farmers could somehow do their work more easily. And I remember always thinking, the sun's not going to change. Yeah, They're going to get up at the like at sunrise, before yeah. sunrise, um, whatever it is, no matter what.
1: I, I think about with our cats, because they don't know when it time changes and they think, hey, it's seven, feed me, monster.
0: See, that's my other thing about it's ghosts. Like, Everybody's like, three o'clock is the witching hour. I'm like, are they aware of daylight savings time? <gasps> oh shit, are ghosts aware of daylight savings time? Like daylight savings time, time zones? Do they know what time it is? How do they know to haunt you at three o'clock in the morning? We all
1: have watches and clocks.
0: They don't, Ooh. especially like you know a lot of ghost stories. Like their clock stops at
1: the time is, of their death. Is that why we keep seeing the ghosts in the kitchen? Because that's the one place where we have a clock that's not attached to a cell phone in this house.
0: I guess it is, isn't it? <gasps>
1: so they're just waiting for the witching hour in the kitchen. It's like,
0: oh boy, it's the they're, witching hour. They're
1: witching in the kitchen. Witching in the kitchen.
0: Anyway, so the farmers. Not only did it have nothing to do with farmers. Farmers would very much appreciate it if we stopped saying this was a fact. Because the whole time, they have hated it. Farmers uh, hated it so much that in a Time article, it was said, In fact, daylight savings time meant they had less time in the morning to get their milk and harvested crops to market. Some warned it was, quote, taking us off God's time. They hated it so much that they thought it was sacrilegious. And it makes sense if you think about it. Farmers, like we said, not waiting for the clock to tell them to get up. They're waiting for the sun or however long before the sun because they have to keep their animals on some kind of schedule and they have to keep themselves on a schedule. So all of a sudden, you know, they're out there milking their cows. They got to get the milk to market by 8 a.m. Well, let's say they get up at 5 to milk the cows. They're like, "Okay, from... I don't know much about farming. From five to seven, we milk the cows. And then at seven, we load the milk into the truck. And then we get to the market at eight o'clock because that's when the market opens. Well, all of a sudden, eight o'clock is at seven o'clock. But the cows are used to getting up at five. The sun is like, yeah, I'm getting up at five. So they only have like an hour as opposed to two hours to get their work done now. They Hated this. So every article I read was like, This is a myth, please stop. This is a myth, please stop. This is a myth, please stop. So, guys, this is a myth, please stop. It had nothing to do with farmers. In fact, they fought so hard against daylight savings time that when Congress. Okay, so initially it was supposed to be temporary, which I'll get into. Congress was like, Hey, I want to keep this going. The farmers lobbyists actually said, you know, the farmers are going to legitimately 100% revolt if you don't stop this, right? It was to stop a farmer revolution, basically, that they got rid of it. It came back. So where did it all come from? I'm going to blame Ben Franklin. Actually, he comes up first on this. Yes, yes. But it was kind of a joke. He wrote to the Journal of Paris in 1784 that he had discovered that the sunlight begins as soon as the sun rises. And perhaps we should change our clocks accordingly. But it, like, at no point was he like lobbying for it. <laughs> and in fact, he was living in Paris at the time. He was like a diplomat to Paris. And, you know, it's hard. Like they wouldn't let Ben Franklin write the Constitution because they thought he'd make jokes in it. Yeah, uh, so,
1: oh, uh, Speaking of Ben Franklin jokes. The turkey thing? Pretty sure that was a Ben Franklin joke.
0: Most things were. Wow. So a more concrete concept of daylight savings time was first brought up by William Willett in The Waste of Daylight, which he wrote um, in Britain in 1907. He realized that we sleep through a lot of our sunlit hours. We work during the rest of the sunlit hours. So we get very little sunlit time to just exist. We don't get to spend a lot of time out in the sun. And that was his reason for wanting to do this. He was like, you know, I guess it could also possibly save some money because it would reduce the need for artificial lighting and fuel. But mostly he was like, we need to have more sunlight in our daily lives. He went to parliament about this and fought about it until he died in 1915. Daylight savings time itself was introduced in 1916. (laughs) And not in England, but in Germany. And in fact, Germany... (laughs) Frank's, Germany's Frankfurt's Daily News said, quote, it is characteristic of England that she could not rouse herself to a decision. <laughs> England did implement it shortly afterwards. So poor William Willett never actually got to see this come to fruition. But it came down to him saying, we need sunlight to like exist. So if, if you whine at
1: parliament for enough years, they eventually do what you want them. If you whine enough, you enough at
0: Parliament for enough years, Germany will eventually do what you wanted them, <laughs> your country to do. <laughs> So the U.S. came along and decided to do it in March 19th, uh, 1918, to save energy during World War One. That was the same reason Germany said they were going to do it. We're going to save energy during World War One. That said, the U.S. Chamber of Commerce also took kind of a page out of Willett's book, saying that if people got off work during the daytime, they'd go shopping, Ooh. which would boost the economy. Now,
1: that's straight up true, because like, in the winter when I am at work for all of the daylight hours – and I get off of work, it's like, I don't want to go anywhere and do anything. It's dark out.
0: You know, this was true. Um, it proved especially true in golf ball sales.
1: Yeah, hey, you can't play golf at night. Well, you yes, can. It's just really creepy.
0: This comes back. An additional group that really benefited from this was baseball, because this meant that they could start their games later in the day in terms of clock time, and people who got off work and kids who got off school could now come see the games and buy tickets. While they also got to save money on using artificial lights. So if they'd had the game start at, you know, 6 p.m., but 6 p.m. was starting to get dark, they'd have to have the lights on. Now they could start the di- the games at 6 p.m. have it still be light. And all the workers and all the kids were now there. And it wasn't dark. They saved a lot of money and they made a lot of money. So oh, okay. baseball benefited from so,
1: this. Um, so is sports ball the reason we do this still? I'm getting ahead of myself. Keep going.
0: You can't see facial expressions on here. Uh, However, movie theaters hated this. Because to this day, and I'm sure it's the same with live theater, but movie theaters were the ones specifically mentioned. When do people go to the movies?
1: When it's dark.
0: When it's dark. People don't like to go during the day. Like, you go from this really bright, sunny day to this dark, cold space, and then back to the bright, sunny day. It's all very jarring. I personally love matinees. They're cheaper, and there's no one in the theater. Sometimes you get the whole theater to yourself, and it's just the best because you can yell stuff at the screen. And... Oh,
1: I've gotten to do that once for a bad movie. It was the uh, the Case Thirty Nine movie with Renee Zellweger. That movie was great. It was so awful.
0: Oh, we watched this amazing movie called Host over the weekend. I'm not gonna like derail too much, but it's Unshutter. You should watch it. Austin and I both expected to turn it off after like 10 minutes because it's got that conceit that people are watching a Zoom, like on a Zoom meeting and they're having a for like, oh, we, we feel like we've seen this. It's clever. We both gasped aloud. We watched the whole thing and it's only an hour. Yeah, All only right. an hour. Do it. So Woodrow Wilson wanted to keep Daylight savings time going after World War One because he noticed like, oh, people really are shopping and shit like that. Uh, but the farmers were like, fuck you. And we were largely agricultural at the time. So, you know, we stopped. Then in 1942, we brought it back. Again, because of a war, this time World War II, not World War One. The only place that didn't have to change anything at this point was New York City, because they never stopped using Daylight Savings Time, if I understood the what the wording was correctly. Um, because they are like such a financial center and have no real rural issues, it just made sense to them to have their days line up more with the sunlight. After this one that was over. It'd be so confusing. Yes. Uh the nationwide policy was only supposed to last through World War II. Um and a lot of cities after World War II though decided, you know what, this is actually working for us too. We're gonna stick with it. The rural communities went back to not using it. Now, cities were not surrounded by suburbs so much at the time, but but by rural areas. So if you are coming from a rural area into a city or if we're going from a city into a rural area, which could be a mile to catch a train, and you have down that this train leaves at 9 a.m., but your 9 a.m. is there 10 a.m., then you get there and you've missed your train. It was just fucking nuts. Nothing was going well because of this. So in 1966, President Lyndon B. Johnson signed the Uniform Time Act, which was the first daylight savings time to be started during peacetime. Every other one had been started during a war in an attempt to conserve energy. Do not forget that point in this. Conserving energy was the reason they claimed to be doing it. Okay. States were required to either do it or opt out entirely. They couldn't have a county-by-county basis because of the issues that had happened before. Arizona was one of the states that opted out because they're like, it's 110 degrees here no matter what time of day it is. We don't want the sun. It doesn't matter. So they didn't. Um, And a couple other states did too. Hawaii still doesn't have daylight savings. But it gets really complicated. So I'm actually – like, I originally had listed all of the states and the areas that do and don't – well, not do, but that don't, or the ones that have all this legislation going. It gets too complicated for one reason, which I will get into at the end, Um And then Nixon came around in 1973. He said we needed year-round daylight savings time, which, as I mentioned, is not the time in the fall. It is the time from spring to fall. They tried it. It didn't last long because they thought that the earlier darkness would mean kids getting hit by cars. Won't somebody please think of the children? This comes back to. However, by that time, daylight savings time was also already kind of a thing, too. So they were like, well, oh, let's just keep doing what we're doing. By 19 or in 1986, because at this point it was six months, six months. They changed to seven months of daylight savings, literally because of golf. And barbecue industries.
1: Barbecue industries.
0: Lobbyists for the golf industry and the barbecue industry said that the extra daylight meant their golf and barbecue equipment sales were good. And stayed steady. When we lost that daylight, their sales plummeted. So to keep the golf and barbecue industries happy, they kept daylights, not only kept daylight savings time, but they lengthened it. Why? That's just... And then... Goddamn golf. 2005, we had a new energy act that was uh, finally implemented in 2007. I have no memory of any of this.
1: I remember vaguely something about George W. Bush and Daylight Savings, and that's it.
0: We have eight months of Daylight Savings time now. Yeah. I, I counted it on my fingers because I was like, that doesn't <laughs> feel right. Because I always, like, six months, six months. And I'm like, wait, it hasn't been like that, like, my entire life. Like, I yeah. was born in 86. Hold on. Hold <coughs> on. So here's the thing, though. The whole point was to conserve energy, right? Right. Studies have proven that not only does daylight savings time not lower any energy consumption in a meaningful way, even the Department of Energy found in 2008 that there was only a 0.5% decrease per day in total. Many other studies that have no political agenda have found that we've begun consuming An average of about 4% more energy during daylight savings. That is bananas. Mm -hmm. And obviously it changes based on where you are in the country because daylight savings is going to mean that it's going to get real dark real early in some places, and not others. But yeah, we consume more energy, most likely. And if we don't, the amount is negligible. And compared to the other downsides... That energy consumption, even after looking at what just happened across the country with the power grids going down, it's negligible compared to the, some of the dangers, especially now that they're actually trying to figure out what the fuck went wrong and try to fix it. So daylight savings comes with other problems. One, car accidents. Now, I'm talking about daylight savings. I'm talking about spring forward. I'm not talking about fallback at this moment. The week after daylight savings begins, fatal car accidents go up by 6% that's a lot it is substantial I believe I saw it was something like 280 people Wow this is only fatal car accidents they do not keep accurate or intensive records for non-fatal car accidents now, during this week
1: I will um usually that week does include St Patrick's Day are they factoring that in with this
0: I don't think so okay um but they also are from most of the studies I looked at predominantly looking at weekdays all right um I mean, I'd imagine that probably could factor in, but at the same time, we have more police out during that week yeah. during that time, so people are probably probably more likely to be getting pulled over than but just getting an. Six percent's a
1: lot, and yeah. That's more than St. Patrick's Day would result in.
0: Um, and this is because people are exhausted. That extra hour of sleep matters because, guys, this is important. Driving while you're exhausted is as dangerous as driving while you're drunk. It is and i can kind of speak to this as someone who when especially when daylight savings times happened when i had to, when i was a teacher and i had to sometimes get to work at 6:30 in the morning make that 5:30 in the morning add to that the fact that i'm an insomniac i have fallen asleep while driving i am lucky because i have managed to wake myself up and it was like fractions of a second. And it's so scary. And not everyone is as lucky as I am that I managed to be like, oh shit, and kind of like realize what was happening. And the thing is, people are like, well, just pull over and go to sleep. Really? On my way to work? Yeah. Like if you're driving in the middle of the night, which I do a lot, or at least I did before, you know, there were when there was still stuff to do, you know, when I got really tired, which did happen, I would pull over and go into like a diner, or I'd be like, All right, it's time to find a fucking motel. And I'd go sleep. Because you can do that when you're not on your way to work, but you can't do that in this case. Um, also, interestingly, uh, this level of exhaustion can last up to two weeks. And the further west you live, the greater you ha- the risk of your car accidents are. Huh. I'm not entirely sure why, but that's true. And I kind of wonder though, because west is already earlier than east. I wonder if that includes people who have business trips. Maybe like people who are flying in from New York and going over to California, so they're losing like. Five hours instead of four or whatever it might whatever it is um, this is jet lag that's what this is um, and then we have heart attacks and strokes When we spring forward, heart attacks and strokes both increase. A Finnish study found strokes go up by 8% in the two days after daylight savings. A Swedish study found that there is a 6.7% greater risk of heart attacks. And America, guess what we found?
1: I'm going to say 8% higher risk. Higher. 10%?
0: Higher.
1: 20%? Higher.
0: 25%? 24%. Good night. On the Monday after daylight savings. Daylight savings is on Sunday. The following day the number of heart attacks goes up by 24% what and then they are re- they remain at a higher rate but taper off throughout the week um, by contrast when we have the fault the fall back the number of heart attacks decreases by 21%
1: because we're getting that extra hour of sleep
0: pretty much um, while most of these people were already at risk for heart attacks, the upset of, their, upset of their circadian rhythms is the catalyst for it happening when it does. So doctors are like, these people are probably ones who would have had a heart attack at some point anyway. But this time change means that they have the heart attack and don't have the opportunity to be like, something doesn't feel right and come into the doctor, basically. Um, heart attacks actually do most – like when we see them on movies and TV, it's always like in the evening, after dinner. No, that's 6.30 in the morning. That is the most common time for a heart attack is around 630 in the morning because you, I think I wrote this down wrong, but there is um, basically a part of your body makes your blood clot more easily around that time of morning. It's believed it's it's a leftover from when we used to be hunter gatherers because the hunters would hunt during the day, and they and we believe our bodies were like, okay, we need to have less ability to bleed to death early in the day. So around 6.30 in the morning, your blood is most likely to clot. That is when heart attacks are most likely to happen. So when you add into that throwing off your circadian rhythm and getting up and starting to move when your blood is like not ready and your heart is already having some kind of struggle, you have a heart attack. Mondays are also the most common day for a heart attack anyway. Because on the weekends, you mess up your circadian rhythm, you stay up later, you wake up later, whatever it might be. So Mondays, you're already still more likely to have heart attack because you slept weird all weekend. Your circadian rhythm actually has a major part in this. Uh, and then workplace injuries also go up because, you know, you have to go to work. And you're tired. And you're tired. And I'm not just talking driving a forklift. I'm talking, you know, just not paying as much attention to the world around you because you're tired, tripping over something and breaking your ankle. It could be anything. So that's all spring forward.
1: Accidentally stapling your sleeve to a document. You done that? I've done that.
0: (laughs) That's all, brands bring forward other than the heart attack risk going down during fallback. Does fallback help otherwise?
1: I'm going to say no. No.
0: No, no, no. No, no. No.
1: Not, not at all. Does it, does it also hurt us a ton?
0: Yeah. During fallback, you still have to adjust your sleep-wake cycle. So people are still de- dealing with fatigue at work, which means that the likelihood of workplace injury still goes up during fallback. Car accidents have a, um, every year go up by 3.5% to 10% in the week following fallback as well, because you're now driving home in the dark where you weren't before. So they were saying, we like daylight savings because it keeps kids from getting hit by cars.
1: But it just makes it more likely to hit that kid with a car because everyone driving is super tired. Uh, And the kids are tired too, so they're not looking both ways when they're crossing that street.
0: When we fall back, we drive home in the dark. Not only do car accidents increase because of this, just in the evening more than the morning pedestrians are 3 times more likely to be killed by cars in the days following that time change the per mile risk for pedestrians jumps by 186% between October and November so you are 186% more likely to get hit by a car while walking after daylight after standard time begins than you were before standard time begins basically And it's, you know, but we're saving the kids from walking home in the dark and getting hit by cars. No, that's not how this is working. Um, And then because the workday, you know, is now going into darkness, we are losing 100% of our daylight hours now. During daylight savings time, we weren't. We're talking standard time now. So now you leave work in the dark. And in some places it begins to get dark as early as like three in the afternoon. So you're in a room. Businesses often still use fluorescent lights, which are very hard on your eyes and actually have been proven to be bad for your mental health. You're in front of a computer, you do not have any sunlight balancing any of this. Like when I was working in an office before all of this, we would usually have our fluorescents off or half off and just open all the windows. And it was great.
1: Um, I am really excited because in our temporary workspace, we have windows. (laughs) I can see the outside. It's a parking lot, but still, it's
0: outside. So these lights, they strain your eyes. And when you don't have the sunlight to kind of be part of this, it strains them more. Your mental well-being gets into really bad shape. This makes depression. Depression goes up during this time. Seasonal affective disorder is more noticeable during this time. And it's the point where, like, if you walk into a classroom these days, you wouldn't you wouldn't be surprised to see that a teacher has all the fluorescents off and have spent hundreds of their own money buying lamps because we know that lamps are better for your vision and your mental health than those goddamned fluorescent lights that they need okay, to get out of fucking
1: schools. Buzz that mm-hmm. It's like if there's ever a quiet moment, it's not quiet because you're hearing that I think it's an A.
0: Um, So mental health, as I mentioned, gets notably worse during fallback because we leave work and even school when it is dark out. Less sunshine means depression rates go up. Seasonal affective disorder gets worse and crime goes up. Um, In fact, when we hit spring forward, it falls by seven percent. So, so during
1: be- because it's darker earlier there's more crime. Mhm. Oh, mm-hmm. I didn't even think about that. Wait, so why why is it like someone made that argument to Congress because like um crime.
0: Oh no, we'll we'll get into what Congress is saying about why they want to keep it. Um so like but speaking of teaching, ask any teacher how the week after either spring forward or fall back goes fall back you know you get up in the morning you feel great the kids feel great and then a couple hours later the kids start to get sluggish and grumpy because their lunch time is an hour later than it should be like their lunch time which first of all you know there are kids eating lunch at 10 in the goddamn morning while the school day goes until 3 fucking 30 oh god because we have too many kids and schools made for like my last school had 711 kids in it and we were built for 500 at an outside maximum. Now, granted, we didn't have kids eating at 1030, but 1030 is too early for lunch. Yeah. And then we would have kids eating as late as like two.
1: Oof. So I want mean,
0: you to imagine when two suddenly feels like three and you haven't gotten to eat since seven.
1: Uh-uh. But kids
0: also can't have food in the classrooms uh-uh. because bugs.
1: I will, uh, Also, the uh, public gets way grumpier, like just so much worse. Like working public service, they just they're mad about Everything.
0: And then we got spring forward. I will tell you, no learning happens the week after spring forward. If you ask a kid what they learned the day before, they will not remember. And it is not because they didn't try. I had some of my kids who put in the most effort fall asleep during that week. These are kids who would never fall asleep during class. These were not the kids who were staying up too late intentionally anyway. I'm not going to get into the biology of it. They were so embarrassed because they fell asleep. I'm like, Girl, I get it, or boy, I get it. Like this is this is what it
1: is. One year, I had a three hour meeting about a software update, and I remembered nothing. Like <laughs> mm-hmm. I know, like I got out of that meeting, and I was like, I have, no, I don't. It's <laughs> like a second I stepped through that door, it's like it was gone. I didn't know what was ha- happened that for three hours.
0: Hmm. Hmm. So why do we still do this shit? The American Academy of Sleep Medicine says we shouldn't. Throughout this piece, I've talked about other scientists and doctors who say we shouldn't. We've seen that low it doesn't lower energy uses and may increase it. We've seen that people die. We've seen that crime goes up, at least during one of the two. Some people argue, um, this is one of the reasons people say it's still in place, it's better for kids to not go to school in the dark, which is true. It's great with, because you and I both had to get to the bus stop and it, it was still dark out when we were in school. Until you think about the fact that when you spring forward, in some places, dark comes at 3 or 3.30, and then if they've got after-school activities, they're going home in the dark. And by the time they're going home in the dark, especially if they've got after-school activities, it's now rush hour. So <laughs> that is a uh, incorrect. That's just wrong. <laughs> and also, we've got kids in states like Alaska, where it's dark a lot of the year, and believe it or not, they still have kids who are alive. <gasps>
1: Shocked. They haven't been eaten by polar bears yet.
0: And it seems to me, though, that all of this could be solved by going to a more reasonable school schedule that's in line with kids' biological and developmental needs. But, I mean, what do I know? I only did this for years. Uh, so the Old Farmers' Almanac reports that as of 2020, 32 states have put forth legislation – and, like, that was in 2020. It's been more than that – have put forth legislation to make daylight savings time just time. Since 2015, over 200 bills and resolutions have been introduced. States today may kind of opt out but congress for this to be a universal thing has to approve an amendment to the uniform time act and i went to this uniform time act it literally says congress can supersede any state that decides to, not to opt out they can say yeah no we've decided that you can't opt out anymore now you have to do this funny how we're all about states rights yeah. and then there's actually something that the majority of people and majority of states support republican and democrat and they're like nah bro and then there's Orrin hatch who is a Republican from Utah?
1: Okay, I know who this is, and I yeah, fuck him. Go on.
0: Orrin Hatch is an interesting one. Um, he wrote an article for Time. This an-
1: <laughs> sorry, that's that's
0: kind of funny. <laughs> <laughs> uh, actually, two of my sources are Time magazine. Um, he wrote an article for Time magazine talking about, and Marco Rubio and Rick Scott agreed with him on this. At least for COVID, for the love of God, stop this because of the mental health issues that are happening and the physical health issues that are happening. At least until we've got COVID handled, put a stop to this. But all three of them also like, and yeah, make it permanent. And I know Florida just passed something to make it permanent, but it's may not be permanent. It was very complicated. So what he said is this quote. For months, Republicans and Democrats have been at loggerheads over a broad stimulus package, but a permanent switch to daylight savings time would be a stimulus package all on its own. It would boost economic growth, ease the mental health crisis, reduce crime, and even save lives,
1: Yeah. And how much money would this
0: cost? Practically zero. See, when we set our clocks back one hour in November, the sun sets before five or the end of the workday in many states. We see a higher level of depression. We have less sunlight. We have higher crime. Falling back hurts the retail industry because it gets dark so early, which is probably part of why that part of the year is so short, which is weird, too, because that is the highest shopping time of the year. Yeah. Um, so here's the issue that Congress is giving for not just doing this. It's almost like they're looking at the statistics they want to look at and use it to argue for daylight savings. Um, This whole system. I don't mean the universal time. When daylight savings time happens, they spring forward. When When you spring forward, the number of car accidents in the evenings go down. Screw the ones in the morning. We'll just ignore those. The number of robberies goes down. Compared to the number of them during the fallback, which if they got rid of the fallback, wouldn't fucking happen. And the number of accidents and illnesses, they don't even mention these. So you're ready for the real reason? Yeah. Golf. God, I told you it was going
1: to come fucking back. Fucking damn it. golf. These golfing motherfuckers.
0: And retail as well. But golf is the one that got specifically mentioned because golf courses can stay open later after the, like when they've got more sunlight. I'm like, but you're going to get more sun, whatever. Um, and then retail realizes people are more likely to shop when it's sunny out. So these are big lobbies that are going to Congress and saying, but you can't do this little roll over our revenue. And I'm like, okay. Um, I'm gonna cough all in. <laughs> First of all, retail. I feel like online sales are hurting you more than Sun. Yeah. so uh, maybe get that together and you know, get yourself on like Shopify or something if you're a local business like something that'll help you out there because that'll help you more than this. And golf. Okay, there's this crazy thing called electricity. I know, I know, it's bonkers. But with the membership fees, I know y'all charge. I have a feeling that you can keep those lights on. And you're not open at one in the morning anyway, so they don't even need to be on for that long. Yeah. God, like damn. literally, golf. literally, golf. getting rid of this system saves lives.
1: But no, I want to be able to golf after work. And we have in December.
0: Republicans and Democrats from the majority of states fighting for this. And the ones that do not currently have legislation have often had legislation in the past fighting for this to go to a universal time. Only 40% of countries throughout the world do, uh, don't do have universal time. And the states in the country that have a time that stays, they don't have these problems. I mean, they have other problems. They do still have robbery and car accidents and shit, but they don't have these types of problems. They don't have
1: sudden spikes in either of them mm-hmm. related to a time change.
0: So maybe, maybe this is a good time to uh, take a look at states' rights, listen to them, and make an amendment that would give them the rights that the vast majority are asking for. And the others, I, I didn't really find anything about a state actively fighting against it. It's maybe more like, we've got bigger issues than, no, fuck this. It was more, we've got bigger issues. Yeah. But if you changed it, fine. So that is Daylight Savings the history of it, and why Congress won't act on it. The only thing I could not figure out is why they have the right to supersede. God, I I don't know. Are you ready for some questions?
1: Yes. All
0: right, will this be on the test? Daylight savings time has nothing to do with farmers.
1: Yes, that will be on the test.
0: Should fucking be. Fatal car accidents increase with both fallback and spring forward. Yes. The original goal was energy conservation, but studies showed that we may actually use more energy with the system in place. Yeah,
1: that should be on the test.
0: And golf equals daylight savings time. Oh,
1: oh no. You cannot push off that lobby. <laughs> like, someone's, like, some, like, wealthy school doctor donor will come at you.
0: You know what's interesting, though, is that as I was reading through this information, America's most famous golfer. No, Tiger Woods? No, no. Not the one who was just in a car accident. The one who was also orange Ugh. was actually in support of Universal Time. Uh, this has not, as far as I like, can tell, been brought up to the Biden administration because it's not as big a deal as other things. Like COVID is killing more people than daylight oh, savings. Okay. When but... you said
1: biggest golfer, you meant li- physically the largest. I, <laughs> <don't know.
0: laughs> I thought I said most most famous. I don't know.
1: Yeah, uh, who knows?
0: Oh, uh, so yeah, that is daylight savings time, and I went first. And look, look, I did not go for that long this time because we talked for a while. All right, so we're
1: just gonna go ahead and go straight on, and I'm gonna talk about something that's just kind of cool, and you know. You might have learned about it, depending on how old you are. I'm 35, so yeah, you would know all about it. But younger people probably don't even know this existed. Mm-hmm. So I'm going to talk about the Concorde jet.
0: Yeah, I'm only kind of aware that that existed.
1: Oh, existed.
0: Yeah, and th- no, before you re- before you get into this, this is not a things Gen Z will never understand. It's you know not their fault that they don't know stuff that didn't exist during yeah. their lifetimes.
1: And I'd say it's. A neat thing. And there's some implications around it. That's kind of fun. So today, if you wanted to fly from New York City to London, mm-hmm. first of all, how dare you? There's a global fucking <laughs> pandemic, you monster.
0: Leave London alone.
1: You better have a good reason for going on this trip. I cannot believe you're doing this. And also, that flight is going to take 7.5 hours.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: That's a long flight.
0: Yeah, I've taken that flight. Yeah.
1: But from... In, starting from in the year 1976 and going on to 2003 there was a faster flight the supersonic passenger airplane the Concorde this plane could make that flight in three to three and a half hours.
0: Okay. I will also say I made that flight while the Concorde existed and it did not take that shorter time. So I did not fly on a Concorde.
1: Yeah. Oh, I, I guarantee you did not fly on the Concorde.
0: Also, that was out of Canada. So who knows? Yeah. So
1: in theory, you could fly to London, grab lunch and fly back to New York faster than a one-way flight from New York to London.
0: Okay. Like that's my fucking dream because I love fish and chips.
1: So yeah, that's impressive. So why since this... Since they stopped using the Concorde in 2003, do we not have any more supersonic passenger jetliners?
0: I'm going to go with Crash Boom Bang.
1: You're a a little right, but not completely. Let's start off with some stuff about this plane before I get into the whys of why it's gone. Okay. It started off in the 60s when there was kind of a competition of sorts to develop a supersonic commercial jet. It started like all Cold War shit did. It was Airbus started their Concorde project to make the supersonic passenger jet.
0: Sorry, I put, my brain went to Airbud.
1: Airbus. Yes, Airbud. The uh f- <laughs> the uh venture Another capitalist thing
0: poor Gen Z won't have the the ability to yeah. experience and real yeah, he time. was a,
1: a dog who played basketball because there's no rule against dogs playing basketball. Okay, if
0: I remember though, that poor dog ended up with like leg cancer and ended up being a tripod at the end of its life. Yeah, you know that... its like main trick was being able to dunk a basketball.
1: Mm-hmm. Poor and dog. It got it, it got sick and he had some he had some like, you know, face troubles, he had to retire he was from a, doing it. Oh, and
0: he was a golden, retriever. Was they a golden ha- retriever. They tend to have problems. Yeah. So
1: thank you for bumming me out with sad dog facts while I talk about an airplane.
0: Anytime, anytime. Jeez.
1: Airbus started their Concorde project. So America was like, oh, shit, we need to have a supersonic jet, too. And then because America was doing it, Russia got involved. And then because Russia was doing it, all of the governments decided we're going to start throwing cash at this problem until we have a supersonic passenger jet. Now, uh, Boeing and Lockheed both tried to develop plans. and They got started, but they never developed a working prototype. And they just hit all sorts of snags. And they never actually built anything.
0: Wait, are you doing this because of that really weird plane accident that happened a few weeks ago? Nope. Just a coincidence? Just a
1: coincidence. Okay.
0: this uh, For future listeners, this is the one where one engine went out over like suburban Colorado. And they actually managed to land it. Yeah. No one died.
1: No one died. Uh, So then Russia <laughs> made... The Tupolev Tu-144, which was actually completed and flying a month before the Concorde, but after it crashed twice in the period of three years and um, also was incredibly expensive to produce and maintain and was just plagued with lots and lots of problems and never worked
0: well. Kind of like having children in America.
1: Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Wow, you got darker than dog cancer.
0: (laughs) Oh, well, I was just thinking about how expensive it has to be, is to have a kid and then it is to get sick and then it is to raise a kid, like kids and planes, same yeah. thing.
1: So they stopped using it to provide commercial flights. It was used for some like high-speed cargo stuff and as a research plane until it was retired in 1999. Even NASA like would use it for stuff later. Then there was the Concorde, the commercially successful one, the one that worked. Um, Airbus spent about 1.3 billion pounds to develop this airplane. The original estimate was only 70 million pounds, which, by the way, uh, for those of you taking track at home, that is about $8 billion adjusted for inflation. With the...
0: I mean, I can see that paying off, though, if this had gone well.
1: I'm going to get into that, too. So it was so vastly expensive for them to develop. There was no way they could ever turn a profit with this airplane. But the French and the British governments agreed to fully absorb their research costs and the development costs in creating it. So the Concorde had a delta wing, which is that V-shaped wing you see on like fighter jets, where it's not like the wing sticking out like on a 747. It had the V-shaped wings. It would hold 92 to 120 passengers. It flew at 60,000 feet. Uh, That's so far up that you can see the curvature of the Earth flat earthers.
0: I will say that the uh, flight I took from Canada to London probably only held that many passengers. Maybe I have blocked all this out. And
1: it's so high up that the sky is a very dark blue because the atmosphere is so thin.
0: That's kind of cool. And
1: that's... And the reason it's up so high is to get away from air resistance, because the atmosphere is thinner, because it had a maximum speed of 1,341 miles per hour. That's Mach 2, faster than the speed of sound, and it's faster than the rotation of the Earth.
0: Would you end up having like that boom sound at some point? Yeah, it would
1: make sonic booms.
0: Like, did it do it once when it hit a certain speed, or did it like do it several times? Kind
1: of, like when it... Sonic booms are weird. I don't want to go into it. But yeah, it, it would create a sonic boom, which is kind of like a continuous thing, but it was behind it. So you never heard it while you're in the airplane. So it was fine.
0: Okay. I bet the birds didn't appreciate yeah.
1: it. Who knows? Uh, It had, yeah, it had a very high max speed. Now let's compare it to a Boeing 777, which is a modern, you know, plane we use for international flights. Uh, It only goes up to 43,000 feet and it has a top speed of 587 miles per hour, but it can carry between 317 and 396 passengers.
0: So about half the speed and double, and then some of the people.
1: Yeah. Like almost four times the people. Even, even though it was flying so high, so it could fly this fast. It still meant a lot of air resistance and it would actually get hot from the thick friction. Like you could press your hand up against the window and it wouldn't be warm. It would be hot to the touch just from the air friction. They had to develop special paints and materials to deal with the wind resistance and like reflect heat off of it.
0: I'm still not seeing why this didn't go well.
1: It was. And it was also extravagantly luxurious. Uh, you would be served a multi-course meal for the duration of the flight, and fine wines and drinks and champagnes. Well, were then readily why are you flying the across the
0: pond for lunch if they're going to just feed you on the plane?
1: And, um, one of the curators, at the Smithsonian, said the best meal he's ever had was on the Concorde.
0: There's a Japanese airline that I think gets that now.
1: Yeah, which, by the way, you would expect this extreme luxury because it was twelve thousand dollars a ticket.
0: Oh, yeah. My, my family, we could totally have always spent that kind of money for all of us to go.
1: Yeah. And for those of you wondering, that's $12,000 for a round trip.
0: Yeah. yeah. we. I can guarantee you we didn't spend that much for all of us to go round trip. And I think there are 11 of us or something. Yeah.
1: Yeah. It's ridiculously expensive because it, it was it used a lot of fuel to go this fast. Yeah. And it would actually pump fuel around the body so that way the weight was towards the back when it was taking off so it'd be easier to like get the nose up. And then when it was in flight, it'd pump the fuel forward to change its center of balance so it'd be able to fly easier. It was beautifully engineered and wonderful. And one last fact about this airplane, it had a droop snoot.
0: I know what you're talking about.
1: So, yeah, the Droop's new. So, the Concorde, its nose was so long and pointy to resist air resistance that when it'd come into land, they couldn't see the runway easily. So, what they'd have to do, they designed the nose of this airplane to dip down so when they were landing, they could see the runway to land.
0: It's like a gonzo nose.
1: Like a gonzo nose. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'd go from sticking straight out to like kind of drooping down. There's a penis joke in here somewhere.
0: I was thinking there's a chicken joke in here somewhere. Wait, Okay, it flies, and it's got the nose. It is the baby of Gonzo and his chicken girlfriend.
1: It exactly is.
0: Because chickens can fly no matter what he he says. I've seen them do it.
1: So, this plane is amazing. Why did it fail?
0: Because of the $12,000 ticket?
1: No, it was way more complicated. The first and most common reason reason people cite for it failing is on July twenty fifth, 2000, the Concorde has its first fatal accident. It had a couple of other incidents where things went wrong, but they'd always managed to get out of it, and it had it had a perfect record for 25 years going up to this. And it was Airflight, uh, Airflight, uh, Air France Flight 4590. What happened was during takeoff, it ran over a scrap of metal that had fallen off of another plane. It was a old DC-10, which is a propeller plane, mm-hmm. and um, the maintenance person who had imp- implied who had applied that scrap of metal that fell off was actually uh, charged with like negligent homicide and oh, went to jail. No. No, he was absolutely on the wrong with what he did. He endangered lives with his repair.
0: Okay, so Uh, it was intentional. It wasn't an accident. He just got lazy.
1: Yeah. Okay. He's like, okay, this is good enough. And (laughs) fell off on the runway right before the Concorde went over it. So it ran over the scrap of metal, which punctured the one of the tires, which exploded.
0: Now, couldn't something like this happen to any type of plane? Yes. Like my dad was on a plane that had a tire blowout when they landed, Mm -hmm. and his his, it's. Gidded, like off but he uh, he afterwards was saying yeah. how great a job the pilot did this was
1: this was on takeoff it exploded the tires exploded and it exploded with enough force it actually ruptured the fuel tank mm-hmm. and it started linking fuel which then caught fire and the plane crashed shortly after takeoff now some experts state that the pilot the fire was not enough for the plane to crash the pilot could have safely landed the plane after this
0: yeah i was gonna say like why wouldn't they just try to safely land the plane immediately
1: but it's, it's I mean un- it's not
0: I mean it's no, not easy to land a plane and you got to turn it around and
1: yeah, the fire was not bad enough to cause this, but the plan- the pilot panicked and went out of control and they crashed into a hotel very close to the airport. oh boy. All 100 passengers died, all nine crew members, and four people on the ground.
0: So, how long did that maintenance guy spend in prison?
1: I didn't didn't see it, but he was he was charged with it, and
0: was he convicted?
1: Yeah, Concorde flights were grounded, and the, while the crash was being investigated and determining this, uh, they they were they noticed that during this time that the tires on the Concorde jets were weighing up were wearing out way faster than tires on every other airplane. So they were trying to fix those tires and get that taken care of. And they actually had to develop a tire that wouldn't explode, which took over a year for them to figure out a way to have this be sa- This never happen again. It took them a year to develop a safe option, which this took place on July 25th, 2000. A year later was September 11th, 2001. Mm-hmm. And commercial flights all took a hard hit. Mm-hmm. And the Concorde never really recovered. They weren't they weren't having enough passengers to make up the costs of running everything. And they eventually stopped flying Concords commercially in 2003. The last flight was kind of a shuttle flight. And there's one in the Smithsonian now.
0: Is it at the uh, Air and Space Air and Annex? Space? Yep, it is. I've been there. I think I've seen it.
1: You must have seen it. And, the, and lots of people think this is... Lots of people think this is what did them in. They had a bad accident with bad timing and it just kind of ruined their business. But as you would guess, based on the fact that I'm still talking, <laughs> it isn't this simple.
0: Yeah. I kind of figure most things aren't that simple, at least to Austin, because when I'm not talking, he's talking.
1: Yeah. He likes
0: to get on me for talking a lot, but...
1: I talk as much as she does. Well, when you're talking, I can't talk. <laughs> Healthy marriage. So Healthy marriage! It all comes down to economics. And the Concorde had a lot stacked against it. Firstly, it had very limited flight paths. There is no supersonic flight allowed above populated areas because of that sonic boom. The military actually did some tests on this in the 50s when we first started flying fast on the speed of sound. And the sonic booms were loud enough to break windows and cause noise complaints and terrify livestock. So... Congress passed laws saying you cannot fly faster than the speed of sound over the continental United States. So that okay. is forbidden. So there'd be no very lucrative New York to Los Angeles flights with a supersonic jet. Lame. And also, the range was too short for it to be able to do any big trans-Pacific flights. Like LA to Tokyo, or like even Hawaii was a bit out of its range.
0: Now, do you think if they had not had to shut down for those financial reasons though, that they could have done enough research to make this better, or make these longer?
1: I'm gonna go into that. Okay. So, this plane couldn't do couldn't do those flights. And so transatlantic flights, like from New York to Paris and London, or from London to Barba- and Paris to Barbados, which they also went to. Mm -hmm. Those were really its only options. So it didn't have a lot of places it could fly to. So it was kind of, it was very limited in that. And secondly, this plane was old. It's Remember, it was built in 1976 and was still flying in 2003.
0: I feel like a lot of our planes are like alarmingly old. Yeah.
1: It had analog controls, meaning it had actually like little like toggle flips for everything. It wasn't digital. And because it was so old, uh, newer planes actually have enough instruments and like things that they only need two people in the cockpit, the pilot and the co-pilot. This plane was so old and out of date, it had to have a pilot, a copilot, and a flight engineer basically making sure everything was running fine.
0: Like a race boat does.
1: So they had to have three very specially trained pilots to do this for every flight, which was expensive. And then, because it was so old, Airbus, who manufactured it, did not want to spend the money trying to modernize these planes. They would rather spend their invest their money in things like, you know, their big passenger jets that are slower but carry more people and are cheaper to manufacture so they can sell more of them. So it's it was a better economic model for Airbus, so they weren't gonna do anything else with the Concorde, because it was expensive and it didn't really benefit them to do it. And again, because there was no way for this to turn a profit if they did try to fix it up and sell it, because it's it was impossible. It was too expensive. And since the Cold War was over, France and England weren't going to foot the research bill for them. And in addition to being outdated, the planes were old. Like, maintenance costs kept going up as more and more things broke, and then, and they'd already had just crazy expensive maintenance on top of this, because it was a very specialized plane with specialized parts that had to have everything be very precise because of the high speeds it traveled at and the high altitude. And finally, they had $12,000 tickets. <laughs> And that attracted the clientele that can afford to spend $12,000 on a plane ticket. All
0: five of them.
1: Like Sting was one of like the big people who flew on the Concorde a lot. He loved the Concorde. And this was like, it was attracting the rich and famous. And those are people who tend to be very demanding, to mm-hmm. say the least. And the airlines had to go to extreme ends to keep their clientele happy. Like they went as far. They actually had a jet sitting on the ground in New York in case... With a full crew and everyone on standby in case there was delay on one of the flights coming over, that way they could be able to get everyone flying to New York from New York on schedule.
0: I wonder if they were also beholden to the rules that come with them normal flight crews because I know flight crews are not paid for their waiting time. They are paid for the on like the in-air time more or less.
1: I I do not know but they had a plane on the ground at all times ready to go in case there was a delay so that their passengers would not be suggest- subjected to having to wait an extra half hour.
0: Okay, I've sat through an eight hour delay. I'm sorry Beyonce you can sit through 30 minutes. Actually, I have a feeling Beyonce would be fine.
1: I'm sure she'd be fine.
0: Actually, like I the little bit I know about Beyonce even though I won't, I won't say my and- I'm still mad about Destiny's Child, that's all I'll say. Everything I've heard is that she's actually lovely in oh, yeah. person.
1: Like, I don't have anything bad to say about Beyonce.
0: Other than she broke up Destiny's Child.
1: Okay, maybe I may have one thing bad to say <laughs> about Beyonce. Which this was expensive because not only did they have to do all this maintenance and have these crews that were being paid to do nothing, that plane was also not in the air, meaning they could they those flights they couldn't schedule and run. They're having to do all the maintenance and upkeep on a plane that was sitting there, and so it was it was expensive. They were outdated, and there was not a lot they could do. So it just they just kind of it. They stopped making as much money and they just went away. And there was no real financial incentive to ever build a new one because it was so expensive and limited.
0: Is Elon Musk making one of these? It sounds like something Elon Musk would do.
1: Elon Musk would absolutely do this. Actually, he's busy working on a supersonic train that travels through a vacuum tunnel.
0: I feel like Elon Musk, all of his stuff is just trying to get back to his lizard people home. So, yeah. So the crash
1: did figure into them stopping the flights in 2003, but that really just sped up the inevitable. It was always going to fail. It's just not economically sustainable. Now, again, NASA is actually currently working on technology to travel faster than the speed of sound without creating as loud of a sonic boom.
0: Yeah, I was thinking, like, this sounds like something that will be feasible possibly during our lifetimes. Maybe. But definitely in the next hundred years, this sounds something that could be feasible.
1: But it's just, as of this recording... Any supersonic commercial flight is just not economically feasible. And even if it did, the research cost of developing it would be so much that for you to be able to turn a profit, it would take this plane would have to be in the air for decades.
0: Now, if we just say the word war yeah. and military, then yeah, they'll start get, funding it. Mm-hmm.
1: So eventually, we might be able to get this technology when the technology develops for other things. Like, military. A, lo- a lot of flight stuff is the military develops this technology, and eventually it works its way over to commercial settings, and we can move from there. But... Yeah, it's just not, it doesn't make economic sense right now, but it's still really cool. And again, if you want to see the Concord, there's one at the Smithsonian Air and Space Museum, if you ever want to see it in person.
0: And I'll tell you, I've been to the Smithsonian Air and Space and the Annex. The Annex is so cool. It is worth the drive. Skip over some of the other touristy stuff in D.C. I won't name things because people will think I'm a bitch. I lived there, guys. There is stuff that's worth seeing and stuff that is not. But skip one of the more touristy things and go to the Annex. So, yeah, that is the Concorde jet.
1: This It's just crazy to me that we could travel, we could fly from Paris to New York City in three hours, 20, 30, 50 years ago. Pretty much. Well, we and could do we it could,
0: until 2003. You said. Until
1: 2003, we could do this in 76, but we can't do it now. It's just crazy that, like, you know, like I, I hate it's like sci-fi and fantasy books where it's like we've lost this technology to time, and it's like this is so stupid that never happened. And there's one real-world example of that just staring me in the face with supersonic. Well, light. they
0: also say we lost it to time. I'm like, did you lose it to time or because it was unsafe? Yeah.
1: So yeah, that was that was the Concorde jet, this really cool piece of technology that we don't have anymore. That kind of bums me out.
0: I. You know, I actually, I prefer road trips, but I actually kind of like plane travel, even with like how shitty it is. The only thing is my ass is like barely big enough or barely, my ass barely fits in those seats. And I remember being a kid and I did not ride first class as a kid. And those seats could easily fit a variety of butt sizes. So they need to fix that because it's just stupid with how much you pay. But honestly, air travel and be nice to your flight attendants. Their jobs are hard. Even... Even be nice to your TSA people. Yes. Like, I know, like, just like anything else, some of them are jerks. They don't have a choice. And, like, they're going to be racist pieces of shit there, too. Um, Don't get me wrong. But, if like, be nice to them. They're getting paid like minimum wage to do a yeah. very, very difficult job that they get screamed at with all day. Both the flight attendants and the TSA people. Yeah,
1: it's like it's remember these these if you have ever worked retail, they are basically working retail. Mm-hmm. If they are going to deal with the same at, bad attitudes, same problems, same jerks be kind. Mhm. So are you ready for questions? I am. All right. Will the will the fact that Russia built the first supersonic passenger jet be on the plate and on the test? No, we can't let the Russians have something. Will the fact that tires can explode with enough force to rupture a fuel tank on a jet be on the test?
0: Yeah, we should really like cuz I think that would really illustrate why tire maintenance on your car is important because I've had four tires blow out and it is never pleasant.
1: Yeah. Will the fact that the Uber wealthy or the worst customer base be on the
0: test? That depends on how much input they have into this textbook. Yeah. And will the fact that
1: the that the best plane food is no longer available and is lo- lost forever be on the test?
0: Like I said there's I believe I read I read an article about it it's either a Japanese or a Middle Eastern airline that apparently is at least this good.
1: Ooh, excellent. Yeah. That's it.
0: All right. So, I guess we don't have a whole lot to wrap up with today, although Austin and I were both riding the struggle bus finding topics for this week. So, we are always open to suggestions. Please tweet us at on the test pod. That is the best way to reach us if you have any ideas. Uh, you can also find us on Facebook at Facebook.com on the You can go to our email, which is on the po- test pod at gmail.com. But or, that, is actually, that is not the email address either. The website is on the test pod at gmail. Dot- God damn it. <laughs> The website our, is on the test dot com. Our email address is not that our email address is something different because I was dumb and made the email address before realizing what other stuff was available.
1: Just go, to, go to our website or tweet at us. That's <sighs> tweet, the best at us. Way.
0: tweet at us is the best way. Go to our Instagram, which is on the test pod. But yeah, please, we would love to have some suggestions, stuff that you'd like to us to hear us uh, talk about, make inappropriate jokes about, whatever the case may be. And we'd also really love those five-star ratings and reviews since Michelle... And Barack have not gotten around to doing them yet.
1: No, I'm I'm saying they're pretty busy. They can't get around to it. So like, you right, guys, Sasha
0: and Malia, come on, get around
1: to so it. You guys, like, take some, <sighs> take like, make things easier for Michelle and Barack. And please give us a five star re- re- rating. Write us a nice review, just so you can take the pressure off of them because we love them and they're doing so much hard work. This will really help them out more than it'll help
0: us. Yeah, and you know, if you don't like them, you can go on there and you can be like five stars for will this be on the test screw you michelle and barack for not having reviewed them yet see win-win actually do that because no matter what you get we get our five star review no don't do that that would make me so sad
1: you're a monster (laughs) hey austin i'm just trying to make sure that we don't get a bad review (laughs) she's been inside for a year and she's finally snapped she's gone evil
0: oh no that that happened a long time ago (laughs) that that's been going on for a while uh, do we have anything else of note going on at the moment? I don't think so. All right. So look for us on the interwebs. Give us that review and that rating and tell Taylor Swift we still need a new roof.
1: And oh, really, if you see her, just tell her if we said hi. <laughs> She hasn't Ask been, if she remembers Austin she from their stopped, moment. She stopped returning my calls. She never returned my calls. I've never even called her.
0: Thank God. We would have a very different conversation after this podcast <laughs> is over if you had been calling Taylor Swift. But now... I, please,
1: I've been texting her. I'm not a monster.
0: Yeah, so we need to have a conversation. <laughs> and on that note, class, class dismissed. dismissed.